0: Wow, what a great worship. And we, isn't it exciting to have a new year coming upon us once again, the year 2019. But we also get to look behind and see the things that we have done. You know, as a church, a new hope in a community of Hilo, we, we have reached out to our community with lots of programs and things. But it's not the busyness that we do things. It's the souls that we reach, one relationship at a time. Last year, in the early part of the year, we had a PAUSE conference, which is a conference for uh, marriages. And we got to reach a lot of people. Then we shifted into camps for the youth. And with the youth, we had hundreds and hundreds of salvations come, come to know Christ. And then we also had other conferences up here, SALT conference. Um, but then we also had the lava flows and uh, heavy rains and flooding where we reached out into the community and through all these different events people came to know the Lord and all these were possible that we was able to do because of your tithing and your offering that we get to receive and we reinvest into the community yes the Bible commands or asks us to give our tithe to him and that's a great honor it's a way of worship for me it's a way of worshiping to our lord jesus just to be obedient in those things and that's what we get to do now but if you're a guest or a first-time attender please receive this service as a a gift from us to you but if you get to call new hope your home church please partake and worship god give your tithing. As we look forward into the new year of 2019, we have much more to do. We need to reach out to the community so much more than what we are doing. We've launched um, satellite services um, or streaming I should say. We've reached out across the internet. So we're reaching further than just our Hilo community with your tithing. And that's the power of tithing. And the blessings that you get personally, from tithing and doing what God asks you to do is unmeasurable. And if you guys have any questions about it, come see me. I'll show you my testimony about it. But let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for this time of worship. I thank you for the opportunity to give back to you, Lord, what is already yours. But Lord, we love you and we chase after you. I ask for your presence to be here tonight with us as we welcome in the new year 2019. And may we just continue to grow and be fruitful in your name. Amen.
1: Amen. Can we say thank you to Pastor Tom? Thank you, Pastor Tom Krieger. And if you think about whenever there's a new year or a turnover to something new, there's some excitement and then there's some anticipation, right? You're always going to have that. Uh, for some people, this is the, the beginning of a new family. Maybe you just had a, uh, a baby in your family or you're going to have a baby soon. So there's some anticipation. Uh, and then there's some excitement. And then there's the nervousness also of how it's going to be. How are you going to be as a you know, brand new father or a brand new mother? You know, there, there's a lot of unknowns that are taking place uh, just with having a child. Uh, for some, maybe it's a new career, a new job, or going to school. You know, there's always, always something that is attached to when there's something new. Because there's the unknown when there is something new. And although we may not know what 2019 is going to look like, there is one who does know what 2019 will look like. And his name is Jesus Christ. We have a Savior who knows exactly what is going to take place in 2019. And... Not only does he know, the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 8, let's read this together, right above here, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the same Jesus that saved us from the pit of hell is the same Jesus that will catapult us into 2019. In other words, there's nothing that can take Jesus down. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if you've ever found your, yourself or your life in an odd place where there's difficulties and uh, maybe it seems like darkness is closing in or you felt uh, depressed or you even feel like giving up and you're hoping that 2019 will be better, instead of looking at, I hope 2019 will be better, say, Lord, I know that you will always take me from glory to glory. In other words, 2019 will bring whatever it's going to bring. So Lord, whatever it's going to bring, bring it on because I have you. So it's not about the year that's coming up. It's about the Lord that we have regardless of what's going to come up in the year. So let's set ourselves up by understanding that in the midst of darkness, Jesus shines no matter what. Tonight I want to talk about light in the midst of darkness. Now we grow up being afraid of the dark. How many of you are afraid of the dark still? Come on, just be honest. We're all in church. You might as well be honest. Okay, so maybe you're still afraid of the dark. What about when you're small and you're no longer afraid of the dark, but you were when you were small? Okay, and usually you can put your hands down. Some of you are crying right now. Yeah. <laughs> usually we're afraid of the dark, not so much because it's dark, but because people used to scare us in the dark. Our uncles, our aunties, cousins movies right if you're watching spooky movies then you you become afraid of the dark because of the movie you think that that's going to be in real life whatever was in that movie and so we grow up being afraid of the dark and not just dark in the sense of physics and science but whenever we encounter dark times like we're not able to see what's ahead we're not able to see the bigger picture of life We're not able to see any hope at the end of the tunnel, as it is said, that there's no light at the end of the tunnel. We just see darkness, and we feel darkness. We feel that everything is caving in. When we encounter those times, it it almost seems like where's the hope going to be? How can I find hope in a darkened world? And how can I find hope when things are crashing in, when things don't look so great? Well, we're brought up in a world that teaches us that there's no hope when there's darkness. It's spooky, it's scary, bad things happen. Darkness is a part of life. And darkness, if we think about the, the, the not-so-good side, the evil side or the, the, the negative side of it, darkness is only so-called bad or evil or not good if you don't understand that you have the light of Christ. That's the, only, that's the only way we, we are afraid of darkness or are afraid of, of the situations that we go through. And sure, we're going to go through some emotions, but if we understand the light that God gave to us, it changes our whole entire perspective. I was at a, a, one of our parties on Oahu, and this is maybe, maybe about three years ago, and one of my family members said, look at our family. Look, look at everyone. I said, okay. They said, what, 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 do, you, what do you observe and I said, I don't, I don't know, we're noisy, we're making, I don't know, we're we're loud, we're having fun. They said, yeah, yeah, but but look at all the good people. I said, what do you mean the good people? They said, yeah, you see all those people right there? They're good people. Like look at them, they're just talking story. They're not, they're not, you know, they're not loud, they're not wild, they're just they're they're relaxing, talking story. And then look at all the wild ones. I said, what do you mean, the wild? These guys are all calm. They said, no, no, that's the problem. See, all the calm ones, they're all in the light. They're sitting in the lighted area. And look at all of us, all of our family members, all on the outskirts. We're all in the dark. We're all in the dark. We're by the trees. You know, these people are drinking. Those people are smoking. These people are whatever they're doing. It's like, and clearly, my eyes were open. I'm thinking, even with physics, that in the light is calmness. In the dark, there's a lot of chaos. It's almost like our, our, our bodies, our, our soul, the way we think, the, the more so-called bad things we want to do, the more we, we convert or, or we transfer ourselves to dark places in real life, like dark areas. And it's not because we want to do evil. It's almost like if you're going to do something bad, you'd rather it be hidden. You'd rather it be in the dark. You'd rather be unseen. And what happens is if we don't understand the spiritual side of it, that mentality slowly creeps into our spiritual life where we think, if I can hide things, then, then I'll be okay. The difference is this. That when you believe in Jesus Christ, there is a light that is in you. And it's a light that Jesus wants to shine in such a way that glorifies him. And there's a reason why he says that. There's a story in the Bible, in the book of Kings, 2 Kings. And this is where you have God's people, the Israelites, at war with like everyone. Everyone is coming against them. But in 2 Kings, if you want to turn there, I'll read from 2 Kings chapter. Uh, six verses eight through twenty three. And this is this is the Israelites being kind of like tr- being trapped by one of the surrounding nations. And I'll, I'll read it from verse 8, 2nd Kings chapter 6, verse 8. It says, Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God, who is Elisha, one of the prophets, sent word to the king of Israel. And he said this, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He, He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us. None of us, my lord, king, said one of the officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. In other words, the king thought there was a spy among them, and he was letting the Israelites know what was taking place. But this guy said, no, 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 they have Elisha. Elisha is a prophet of God, and he knows everything. So if you're going to do anything, don't do that to us. Go, go find Elisha. Go find out where he is, the king ordered So I can send men and capture him. The report came back. Hey, Elisha is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, Strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Any Star Wars fans? You liked Star Wars? Okay, watch this next part. This is amazing. This is simply amazing. Elisha told them, the enemies, he said, this is not the road and this is not the city you're looking for. That's what he said. This is not the road. This is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. Elisha is the man they're looking for. And he walks up to them and says, this, this is not the road. This is not the city. So they're like, oh, okay. He's the very man. talking about Jedi. This is not the city. I'm not the the man you're looking for. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you're looking for. And then he led them to Samaria. After they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so that they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and they were inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, shall we kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? And Elisha said, no, 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 do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill those you have captured with your, with your own sword or, or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. So the bands from Ar- Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. So this, this story starts off with Israel... Being at war with another nation, another nation going to sneak up on them and then take them out. But then Elisha prays to God and blinds the enemies while God sends another army and chariots of fire to do battle for them. In other words, what Elisha could see and the reason why he could see what he did see and the servant couldn't is because Elisha understood the armies of God, the power of God, and that Elisha was a part of a different kingdom. This servant of Elisha was looking at the circumstances ahead and what was logical, what made sense. So now this servant is afraid and Elisha is saying, listen, just remember this. The one who is for us is more than what you see that is against us. You see, that, that, that principle is also in the new testament if god is for us who can be against us what elisha was teaching this man is that whenever god is going to do something great he's just waiting for us to be a part of it god is always going to do something great the question is not if god can the question is we will will we be a part of it are we going to be a part of what god is doing so i want to encourage us in the midst of darkness that whenever you feel like there's a horse and a chariot, or an army of horses and chariots surrounding you, it could be depression. It could be it could be discouragement. It could be the unknown, or 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 maybe what's going to happen uh, in, in the situation that we may be in. You may be in a great season of life. You may be enjoying your life, but then you're wondering where do I go from here? See, we, we all find ourselves in different places and in different. Areas of life and in different seasons with different perspectives. But one thing that doesn't change is that God has his perspective. And his perspective is so accurate, true, and will always, always come to pass. What God says he's going to do, he will do because he cannot lie. That's why he remains faithful through the ages from beginning to end because God cannot lie. What he says must happen. That's why he's God. There are no flaws in God. You know, when Elisha is trying to teach this younger man, this younger man could have denied. He could have, he could have just said, no, but I see this and, and, and almost grumbled with Elisha. Because we can do that even with God. We can do the same thing. But instead of us doing that, how about we learn how we can be light in the midst of darkness and allow God's light to shine in and through us, even in the midst of darkness So whenever we find ourselves surrounded by anything, we're able to withstand whatever it is, not because of us or because we can figure a way out, but because we trust in the living God who from the very beginning has never let his people down. I pray that God would open our eyes so that we could see his army of horses and chariots of fire who is for us and not against us. In a single sentence, this this phrase those who are with us are more than those who are with them. In a single sentence, it comes down to meaning to become many or to become much or to become great. That's what this sentence is all about. To, to, for those who are with us are, mo- are more than those who are with them. In other words, the translation is we're going to be great. We're going to become great. Why? Because those who are against us are way less than who's for us. That God is greater than anything we're going to face. It's one, it's, it's one, in one singular motion, God is great. That God is not dependent on our circumstances going well to determine his greatness. His greatness already determines our success. Our success is not based on us and our behavioral patterns. It's based on God's faithfulness and who he is. He's a sovereign God. He's sovereign over everything. As much as the enemy has, we are greater. We are so much greater. See, whenever you find yourselves, whenever we find ourselves in the midst of darkness, chaos, fear, or we're overwhelmed, know that every single one of us are able to win every single battle by realizing these three truths. And if you want to write these things down, here's the first thing. To understand that the light of Christ cannot be extinguished. There, if we can understand this, that, that his light cannot be extinguished. Because we think of light as in light, as in this where in, in being able to see. But when Jesus was talking about his light, it was an eternal light. It wasn't, it wasn't like a physical light that we see, protons. Because this light, light can run out, this, this kind of light. Do you know that when, when light is, when we shine light... And if it goes on to something, then that's where it ends. In other words, if light is going to shine on this, this absorbs the light, and then there's, the light doesn't go through this. That's why there's a shadow behind it. Now, if you have a laser beam, yes, it'll go through it. But the light that is shining gets absorbed. The light that Jesus shines is different. It's not like there's a... There's a there's almost like a play on words. We can, only, we can almost think about the light of Christ as being this kind of visible light. But he's using this in the context of what was happening in Israel at the time he was saying that he was the light of the world. In fact, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus tells us no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light. To everyone in the house. What Jesus was saying is the light that I'm going to have for you is so that everyone can see. Because the light that he gives to us, it it cannot be extinguished. No matter how dark life may seem. And the Bible likens dark and light to illustrate hope and hopelessness. That's why he says, no, you you put it on a lampstand. You don't put it under a basket. You, You put it on a lampstand so that everyone can see. In other words, that way there's hope. Because light is most effective when it is dark. That's when it's most effective. When I was, uh, one night we were closing up here in the fellowship hall, and I was with my grandson, Jaden, he's nine years old, and he said, Papa, I need to use the restroom. I said, go ahead, go use the restroom, and Papa will be out here. We're kind of finishing some things up. And he goes in closer to the men's restroom, and he says, Papa, it's dark. And I said, yeah, there's a light switch. You have to turn on the light switch. He says, where's the light switch? I said, when you walk in, look on the wall. It's going to be on the wall. He's like 10 feet in front of the door. And he's trying to look. And I said, no, you got you to go in. He goes, but it's dark. I said, yeah, it's dark. But there's light in there. You just have to turn on the light. So I'm busy doing other things. And so I figure he went in there and, you know, used the restroom. and then, But I hear him screaming. You know when they're, like, way into the restroom? You hear it real faintly. It's like comes running out and he comes running out of the restroom i'm like what happened he goes oh, oh, it's scary in there i'm like what do you mean it's scary it's a men's restroom oh yeah it is a little scary but it's not like scary scary he goes no papa there's it like it's scary in there i said did you use the restroom he goes yes but it's scary in there i said well there's nothing scary in there all you have to do is turn on the light Later on that night, he's on my iPad, and he's watching these YouTube videos with, with um, little kids, and they're playing with toys, but they're doing spooky things with the toys, and I see his eyes like this, watching, and I said, I said, Jaden, uh, what? I said, what? Why are you so scared? He goes, Papa, look at what they're doing. It was like glowing the dark things, and, but for some reason, the music that they put to it was scary because they're trying to sell this product, and I, I said this, I said, Jaden, you're afraid of the dark because you watch things that make you afraid of the dark. I said, Jaden, you have Jesus in you. You have no reason to be afraid of the dark. He goes, but I don't see Jesus. <laughs> it's like, I was like, touche. Let me get back to you on that one. You know what he was saying? I, I see with my eyes. Like he's not at a place yet that he sees by faith. But you know, we're not, we're not that different than that nine-year-old. Because don't we still look with our eyes and we don't see Jesus. We, we see what's happening in front of us. We pray, we trust God, but we don't, we don't see Jesus. And so we have, a diffi- we have difficulties when, when we encounter difficult times. But if we don't, If we don't look at circumstances and we look at Jesus, then we can understand that, wait a minute, the light of Christ cannot be extinguished. But my perspective on the circumstances can. Therefore, I'm not going to look with my perspective. I'm going to look with the light of Christ, which is a big difference because now it changes my focus and my perspective. John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus speaks to the people again and he says this, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. See, Jesus understands us very well. He understands us so much so that this is why, as the people are celebrating the, the liberation of, of Israel from, from the surrounding nations invading them and taking over the temple, as they're, as they're in the festival of lights and they're, they're celebrating this freedom from oppression, and they're lighting this menorah, it's a, like a, like a lampstand, and they're lighting this up, they're, they're signifying the hope that, that that's their celebration. And, and Jesus comes in the midst of that, stands up, and he declares, I am the light of the world. In other words, yeah, you're, you're lighting this lampstand, but I'm letting you know that I am the light of the world. Yes, you're celebrating, but you're celebrating the wrong thing. It's, it's me. I am the light of the world. I, I, I'm the one who is able to free you from everything that you can think of that oppresses you. It's not just a, a physical captivity that you're going to deal with. You're going to deal with life. So I am the light of this world. I am the true light of this world. And if you follow me, then you're not going to be walking in darkness. Why is that? Why did Jesus say, if you follow me? Well, the closer you are to a light source, the brighter you shine. That's why the moon shines at night. It's not really shining, it's reflecting. So when Jesus says, walk close to me, when you're walking close to me, you're not going to walk in darkness. Why? Because light gives hope. And this world is filled with darkness. So Jesus says, if you, if you want hope, you got to stay close to me. What Jesus was saying is that there is hope in darkness because I am hope. And you walk with me, and when you do, you're going to be walking with hope. In John chapter 20, Verses 19 through 22, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Now, why were they behind locked doors? Why were they afraid of the Jewish leaders? Well, Because Jesus went to the cross. And now the disciples are afraid that they, too, will be arrested and crucified. So they're hiding behind locked doors. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. He says this, peace Be with you. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hand, both of his hands, and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, let's imagine they're in a darkened room, they're hiding. They locked the doors because they were afraid for their lives. We may never come to that place, but this is where they were. We may have darkness surrounding us or a difficult situations surrounding us, but these guys were afraid for their life, their family. So they locked the doors and they were in darkness. And guess where Jesus shows up? In the midst of darkness. Even though the doors are locked. I'm sure for many of us, We've been in situations where we felt like that. And we just locked down. We said, nope, not going to let anyone in. Not gonna, nope, I'm, I'm, I'm too afraid. I'm, I'm afraid to trust. I don't know what else to do. And even in the midst of that, Jesus shows up. Jesus still shows up. Why? Because darkness cannot extinguish the light of Christ. Darkness cannot, does not have the power. That's why the Bible says, oh, death, where is your sting? Jesus proved that even death itself could not extinguish the light of Christ. In other words, Jesus took on the most powerful thing that could extinguish light, which is death, the ceasing of life, death, darkness. Total separation from God. Jesus took that on. You know, we look at him dying on the cross, rising from the grave, and we're all happy. But we don't realize exactly what Jesus did. It, what, what Jesus really did, besides you know, putting sin to death and, and paying the price for our sin, what Jesus did is phenomenal. He took on the most powerful thing over human life and won. The most powerful thing that could ever happen to you and I, he won. Nothing more powerful than death to take over life, and he won. The second most powerful thing that he took on was total separation from God, which is eternal separation. We know it as hell. He took that on too. He took on hell itself. You know, we, we, I, I don't think our minds can fathom hell. As a little kid, we thought hell was like jumping in fire, like because we read about the lake of fire. We think that's what it is. It's total separation from God, whatever that is like. But what Jesus did is he said, I'll, I'll take that on too. The most powerful thing for our spirit, I'll take that on, which is total separation from God. That's why on the cross he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's the very first time that Jesus was separated from the Father. The reason why He experienced that was so that you and I would never experience that. He said, "Let me do that for you. Let, let me do that for you, because you 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 don't want to be eternally separated from your Creator. I'm going to take that on for you." And He won. He rose from the grave three days later. He was taking care of some business in those three days. And now he gives that same light to you and I. Light cannot, the light of Christ cannot be extinguished. Here's the second thing, that the light of Christ is in us. Or you can personalize it and put me. That The light of Christ is in me. It's in you. The hope of Jesus is in us. It's not an exterior thing. It's not something that expires. It's, it's an eternal power that God gave to us. It's a light that shines inside of us. As Matthew five fourteen tells us, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. When Jesus said this, he was actually pointing to a city in Israel. He's saying, you see that city up there? Yeah, you see all the lights that are in there? All the candles that are lit? Yeah, yeah. All the, the fire that's happening? Yeah. You see how far it is? Yes. You can see it? Yes. That's the light that is shining in you right now. And even though it's that far away, it's shining brightly. Why? Because you're a light that is on a hill. So what he's saying to us is don't ever put yourself down. Don't don't ever think less of yourself. Don't ever let anyone put you under a basket where you cannot shine. Don't ever let anyone tell you that you're not able to or that you cannot. Go back to what Christ said. He says, no, you are a city that is set on a hill. And you're a light to this world that everyone should be able to see. The lamp, as he continued, of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. You know that, that word good that he's using when he says the lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. It's, 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 the, it's a word that means fulfilling its office. Like it's, it's duty. It, it, uh, fulfilling its purpose. So when the Bible says the lamp of the body is the eye... The same is true that when there's a lamp, the lamp doesn't shine. It's the light that you put on the lamp that shines. The lamp itself doesn't shine. It's the light or the candle that's going to shine. So the lamp of the body is the eye. So our, our eye is not that which shines for our life. It's, it's not our eye. But if therefore your eye is good, which means it does, that our eye fulfill its, it fulfills its purpose then your whole body will be full of light. Now, what does the eye do? The, The eye is like a tunnel that brings in light so that we can see the images that are in front of us that are reflecting light. That's why we can't see in the dark because there's no light reflecting off of things. If everything was pitch black and we can't see each other, does that mean we disappear? No, we're, st- we're still here. The reason why we can't see each other because there's no light bouncing off of us for the eye to bring in the light to shine or to, to go onto our retina and then, the, oh my goodness, here we go, go through the, the optical nerve into your occipital lobe and then your brain be able to bring in all of these light images and see a picture that is in front of us. We see with our brain, not with our eyes. So when the Bible says that your eye, when your eye is good, in other words, when your eye fulfills its purpose, your whole body will be full of light. You know what our eyes do, what our brain does? It doesn't shine. But what it does do is it gives us a perspective. That's what the Bible is saying. That's what Jesus is saying. When your perspective is good, when your perspective fulfills what it's supposed to be doing, your whole body will be full of light. Now, what's the perspective? Well, we have two perspectives. We have our perspective and God's perspective. Our eyes were created by God. He created it. Therefore, our eyes, our brain, how we're operated or how we operate and how, we, how we're supposed to function is supposed to be for the glory of God. In other words, when we're functioning how we're supposed to, we're going to see the perspective of God. When we function how we want to function and how we want to see things, then it will be our perspective and our perspective is not good. God's perspective is the best perspective. So if ever you, you feel like, oh, boy, I, I, don't, I don't see clearly. I don't, I don't know what's happening in me. I don't know if God is doing great things. You know that's your perspective. So therefore, if our eye, which is the lamp for our body, is good, Our whole perspective will be good. When our perspective is good, the light that is in us will be great. Because it's the light that Jesus gave to us that will shine brightly in us because it's not an exterior thing. It's Christ in us fulfilling its purpose. Then, not only will we be people who shine His light and are on a hill that cannot be hidden. The light, here's the third thing, the light of Christ that is given to us is to glorify God. In other words, we're supposed to be living examples. You know, I was talking to some friends earlier, and we were talking about, you know, uh, celebrities, uh, celebrities and athletes. And, you know, people who, they do great things in our world. And then some of them do things that are questionable. And maybe they don't follow the law, or they do things that are you know kind of evil or, or things that uh, may not represent God well, and they call themselves Christians. And then when, when they're on the news or something bad happens and they're on the news and, and they got to go through whatever they have to go through, and then they come out on the other end and they, they win something or they, they, they're on stage, they get an award, or they, something happens, and, and then they say this, first of all, I'd like to give glory to God. Now, you have a couple people in different categories watching and listening to this, feeling different things. Because for some people, they'll be like, oh, man, that guy went through so many crazy things, and that woman went through so many crazy things, but they they finished well. Oh, all glory to God. And then you have some people say, all glory to God. You just got arrested. You were doing drugs. You, You had gun possession. Well, how is that being glory to God? You're on stage right now. But two weeks ago, you were doing all these things that were not giving glory to God. Then you have some people who they, they, they just keep doing whatever they're going to do, and their lifestyle doesn't reflect who Jesus is in the Bible. And then when they're, when they're receiving something, they'll say, I just want to say thank you to God. And you have everyone in different camps saying, that's that, glory to God. Your life is not glorifying God. And then you have some people saying, oh, wow, they're, look, they're thanking God. Oh, they're a Christian. Now, I'm not saying that's good or not good. What I am saying is God called us to glorify him. And for some people, believe it or not, that's the way they glorify God. Again, not good or bad. It's, that's how they feel they're glorifying God. They'll do whatever they want to do, but then they'll say this is all glory to God. Now, if we were to judge people, Everyone would have a different opinion. Here's the greatest news. That's not our job. The greatest news is that Jesus looks at us and he says, why look at us a speck in your brother's eye when you have a log in your own eye? Now, if we all have a log in our own eye, how could Jesus say that's a speck in theirs? Oh, because compared to mine, that person's one is a speck. Yeah, that could be the theory. That could be. And that maybe that's a part of it. But could it be that Jesus looks at us and with our log in our eye, he says, compared to who I see you to be, that log in your eye is actually a speck. Because I believe in who you're becoming. I don't look at your flaws. I look at who you're becoming. In other words, in order order for us to glorify God, we cannot look at ourselves. We have to look to him. Because when we're looking to him, he's the one that gives us the power to glorify him. We really don't shine, we reflect. Matthew five sixteen encourages us. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, he's saying, all that you're doing is either going to shine for me or not. It's, it's going to be the case. Either you're going to shine for me or not. But I'm telling you, you can because I'm the light of this world. And the light that I give to you cannot be extinguished and cannot be hidden. You are a city on a hill. You know, Paul the Apostle, he, he was one that said, You know, I feel like I was born out of time. Because all the disciples who were following Jesus saw him in his flesh. And then Jesus died, rose from the grave. And then Paul the Apostle, who is going around and killing Christians, well, he was Saul while he was doing that. And then when he met Jesus, he was converted to now Paul the Apostle. But during that conversion and during that time, Paul wasn't with the disciples. This is with the disciples when they were following Jesus. This is after Jesus rose from the grave that Paul encountered Jesus. So now Paul sees this bright light on one of these journeys in in Acts chapter 26, verses 12 and 13. On one of these journeys, Paul says, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest about noon... King Agrippa, because he's speaking to the king. As I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun. Brighter than the sun. Any of you ever played the sun staring game? Raise your hand. Yep, I played that. Seven seconds. Yep. Cannot see today, but I won. About noon, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. It's interesting that it's around noontime because that's the the hottest point of the day where the sun shines brightest. It's almost like Jesus was saying, When I show up, I'm going to shine brighter than anything you've ever seen. Whenever I show up. And when Jesus declared that and showed himself to Paul, remember, Paul's eyes, his eyes were blinded. And because of that blindness, He wasn't able to see, and he had to be led by people. And then he was prayed over, and he was healed. And he had new vision. Oh, I'm sure he had new vision as far as the physical vision, but I'm sure he also, which was more important, had new vision for his life. Because everything changed after that. So much so that the disciples were even saying to themselves, is this not the same guy that was like killing everybody? And now he wants to join our team? No way. There's no way. What if he's like spying and all of a sudden in the middle of the night, he just takes us all out. No way. But they all heard God and now they allowed Paul to be a part of the movement of God. Until this day, we have what we call church because of this man, Paul. You see, before God gives us a brand new vision, he has to destroy the old one. Before he gives us a brand new life and vision for that new life, he has to first take care of the old life and the old vision that we had for ourselves. And in this new year coming up, I pray that if there's an old self to us, that, that we would lay that down at the foot of the cross and then pick up this new vision and say, God, give me new vision for my life brand new vision for my marriage for my family for my personal walk with you and let god do that because he will always shine even in the midst of darkness doesn't matter how dark it is it really doesn't because light shines best in darkness amen we're going to bow our heads and pray for a moment and i'll give us some instructions as we go outside heavenly father we're so grateful that we can turn to you and, and, and trust in you. And, Lord, we know that, yes, light shines brightest in the most darkest times. You are the light of the world, and that light that you have given to us can shine. We can represent you in a darkened world, and you can give us new life, new vision. You've done it before, Lord. You can do it again. I pray for every single person here tonight. That our trust would be in you to remember that nothing can extinguish your light. Which means that nothing can extinguish the light that is in us because you gave it to us. And So may our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify you in heaven. Lord, use our lives to glorify you. We trust in you. We thank you. And I pray over every single one of us that we would leave here with the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray and we all said together, amen, amen. Amen. Let's welcome in 2019 with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to be good.